0: you're listening to potluck the podcast
1: that stirs up a unique flavor of people culture and brands in asia hosted as always by scott and drago
0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Potluck. I'm Drago Djurov. And I'm Scott Percival. Since our last uh, episode, since our humble start last month, um, we've got a lot of positive feedback from various places around the globe. So please keep on sending comments and suggestions and we'll take them on board and keep stirring the pot
2: yep and as you've alluded to Drago if you're listening to us today then you may or may not have listened to our last episode featuring Dan Paris from TBWA Uh, the conversation spanned a gamut of topics linked to technology 21st century brands and sectors such as healthcare retail well worth a listen if you're looking to kickstart your 2020 yeah
0: there's also the pilot the way we're talking about what we're doing and why we're doing it with potluck
2: indeed and anyway that was all very 2019 our new year celebrations are out the way we're dusting our off. Now it's time to celebrate the year of the mouse, or I think the rats, depending on how you look at it. Um, and we actually thought that Chinese New Year should merit a separate discussion, its own spoonful, if you like. So while we're chatting uh, about its role within the shifting modern Chinese lifestyle, how things are different in other Chinese cultures uh, around the region, for example, in Singapore, Malaysia. So check out a separate um, chat around that, which will be released at the same time as this episode.
0: Great. so Let's dig into it. Uh, today, we're joined around the pot, as we like to say, by our guest Eunice Yap, CMO of Esplanade. The Esplanade uh, buildings themselves, uh, spectacular architectural presence on the waterfront of Singapore. It started, I think, sometime around 18 years ago uh, with that durian-looking building near the Merlion uh, to become the cultural institution in Singapore that it is today. Uh, I've known Eunice for uh, six or seven years now and she's been kind enough to come stir the pot with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great. Now, um, we know that current to your, uh, 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 prior to your current role at Esplanade, uh, you've had extensive experience around various hospitality and tourism roles. You've been with Esplanade for a few years now. Can you uh, give us a bit of an intro into uh, um, um, your life as a marketer? What brought you into your current role? And, um You know, how all these experiences uh, come together for you, what they have in common.
1: Well, fortunately, it's been uh, an amazing experience in hospitality. I think I spent about more than 25 years in hospitality and and Esplanade came into the picture when I I took a sabbatical after a year. The key role in all these positions are marketing and and branding and trying to bring the Singapore brand uh, across the region and across the globe. Um, so it's been an interesting ride. Um, although Esplanade is very iconic to Singaporeans and, and to visitors, um, there is still that perception that we would like to portray, and, and that's to be the performing arts centre for everyone and not just ATAS concerts where people come in tuxedos. Uh, but we have free performances uh, throughout the year, and 70% of what we present are actually free. Uh, to the public.
0: Wow, amazing. Um, That's very interesting. Now, um, you started talking about the Singapore brand, about what Singapore is about. um, you know, our, uh, our podcast is about human stories, about culture, and uh, we are interested in your uh, personal life, but also if you could share a little bit about um, how your um, cultural background, your experience as a Peranakan Singaporean, how that background has informed uh, your approach uh, to what you do as a marketer here in Singapore, uh, in this part of the world. If you could share some personal stories or, you know, something around that.
1: Well, there is a big controversy about Piranha So for those of you who do not know what Peranakans are, they are straight born Chinese. Uh, we look Chinese, we practice uh, Chinese customs, but we eat kind of a lot of Malay-like uh, spicy food. Uh, so I speak Malay at home, forced to take Chinese as a second language. Um, and the big controversy is whether our roots, whether we were, you know, from princess or... Otherwise, uh, I like to think um, it's the former, which is, you know, someone came and, and married a Chinese princess and um, that's the end product. Um, how it applies to what I do today, I think, is embracing diversity. Uh, although we know that Singapore is, is a mixed bag of um, Singapore, Chinese, Malay, Eurasians, and you even have Peranakan Indians. Um, It helps to be open in in what we do. It doesn't quite affect um, marketing, but I I think it's the perception of and the ability to embrace um, the different diversity in Singapore.
2: Fantastic okay so one of the things we wanted to dive into was more the the local to begin with you know so we'll talk about the kind of external or the view of Esplanade and attracting tourists or maybe even the expat population here but from a local point of view um, you know you're you're trying to create an identity for your destination and obviously you you have to strike that balance between the local and the external. Now Esplanade boasts a very dynamic calendar I mean I was saying to Drago myself that you know even last month I went from you know Ronnie Ching stand up comedy on a Friday night you know to going to the snowman a few weeks later with my kids and you know everything in between but from a local point of view you obviously have this very diverse you know calendar Chinese, Malay, Indian, Western content and it may be obvious but why is having such a culturally diverse calendar like so important to what the Esplanade sort of offers and, and is I guess as a, as, a, as a destination?
1: Well personally I, I think the Performing Arts and, and uh, Esplanade being the National Performing Arts Centre it echoes what uh, we want to be as a nation and that's diversity and embracing uh, apart from our local culture. Um, how do we do that and change perception? Uh, on our 15th anniversary, we took the bold step um, to hashtag My Durian. Uh Esplanade has never taken that tone in terms of our marketing and our positioning. Uh, but we felt that if we want to be the performing arts for everyone in Singapore, um, then why not just hashtag something that Singaporeans love? Um, so when we first looked at hashtag MyDuran was all full of pictures of durians from D24, 27 to, you know. And uh, the challenge to the team was how do we load that hashtag MyDurian with pictures of uh, Esplanade and people's experiences, uh, whether they perform here, they ate in, in the restaurants, um, you know, they, they have marriage proposals at the rooftop. Actually, our rooftop is one of the most uh, romantic, romantic spots in, in Singapore. Um, so that's been about two years. We've gained fantastic traction and uh, we will continue with that. Um, so that why 70% free? That is our social mission and that's our mandate. Uh, it's to hopefully and we are continuously trying to bring in new audiences. Um, so we start from children to school kids. Uh, we work with teachers to to offer learning journeys and and tours um, to better understand who we are as a performing arts center in Singapore.
0: It's a very dynamic kind of um, uh, regional, um, uh, local role, but if we can um, kind of zoom out a bit, and um, I'd like to talk about something that I remember you uh, spoke about in a presentation you gave in Thailand at a marketing interactive conference a few years ago. You touched on this theme of uh, Asia pride, uh, do you feel that this uh, is still relevant? Um, and if so, if you could tell us a little bit more about that in relation to what you do now and how uh, the Esplanade is um, flying that flag.
1: Well, there, there is a balance that we need to strike. Um, so we support a lot of uh, local productions, local artists. So if you look at our upcoming festival, which is Hawaii, uh, is a Chinese festival of arts, uh, we have a lot of um, commission works um, to include the Singapore artists uh, into the whole presentation of the festival. Of course, we do bring in artists and that's to, to offer some spectrum of uh, diversity to the audiences. Um, but it's important, it, it's always the home base first, you know, you can always clean up your home, uh, your backyard before you go move forward. Um, so that's, that's key, that's one of our key pillars to grow the Singapore uh, talent.
0: Great. Um, let's talk a little bit about the changing leisure landscape. Um, Scott and I recently did a study uh, on the Singaporean middle class and how uh, um, consumption habits and leisure needs are changing. Uh, We found out that uh, material goods, you know, new cars, new condos, watches and all that stuff, they're still very much markers of success. But um, even uh, as uh, new uh, types of destinations such as the Jewel or Funan Mall uh, come up on the scene, uh, we're seeing how um, consumption of public experiences is changing how we gauge success and personal fulfillment. So let's talk a bit about the shifting leisure dynamic and expectations in this space. And um, you know, if we think about what's happening in Singapore and what people do here, uh, it's easy to imagine how the Esplanade is up against a lot of um, a lot of other uh, potential uh, um, competition. You know, people spend time with family, they go and eat out, there are lots of sport events, so. How does that uh, affect your positioning within Singapore? Uh, it's perhaps related to the relationship uh, Singaporeans have with the performing arts. Uh, how does all that fit within uh, Singaporean leisure repertoire?
1: Well, I think with Netflix, it, it complicated um, the whole competition landscape for um, you know leisure and and spending time with family or friends. Um, so it's it's a multi-pronged strategy. I mean. You have people who are advocates who it's it's easy they just come and enjoy the show. Um, so we try look at the um, different segments and and we started with you know memberships for parents with young children below twelve years old. Uh, we have a good base of more than ten thousand and um, we start we want to start young and we started working with schools and and teachers and Ministry of education to have arts as part of their curriculum. So they do come to Esplanade for tours, and then we have a performance, and then they have a Q&A with, with artists. I think it's very hard. Like you mentioned, there's a lot of choices um, from food to out-of-home entertainment. Um, so we, we decided that the the only way, or one of the few ways, was to educate people about the arts and who, what it is. is not like the complicating artas arts, the high arts, they call it. Uh, but as simple as, um, you know, playing an instrument, understanding the different types of genre uh, within the the performing arts. So we do workshops. Uh, we just launched an amazing uh, microsite called Offstage. Uh, this used to be a learn site where we offer it to school children and educators uh, where we have guides. So we are very conscientious about our programming, uh, whether it's for kids and even shows for kids, there is a story or a moral behind it. And it's it's all local stories that people can relate to.
0: Great, great. Um, um, I'd like us to dig a little bit more into, um, into um, what you feel uh, your optimal target in this market is. But before that, if I can just take a step back and um, ask you for your opinion on um, what you feel um, uh, the likes of these new types of leisure destinations, such as the Jewel, Funan Mall, what you feel they're adding to the mix here. We know that, say, Funan have a, a theatre space too. Um, the jewel has uh, all of these experiences uh, and walks they're offering. What's your take on this?
1: I think with the principle of marketing and branding, it's always sustainability. And um, you know, you have the excitement of something new and people rushing and queuing. Um, but the 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 key success factor for brands or experiences is how do you sustain that interest. Uh, in the long run, well, if you have that financial stamina to continuously change and and uh, upgrade, um, sure, you will have new audiences. Um, but for Jewel, I mean, they have great variety, uh, you know, immersive experience. But how do you um, keep up to that interest to to people coming through the the venue?
0: I guess you need to keep updating and refreshing the calendar. Yeah,
2: because I guess even a a short walk from the Esplanade, you have the Victoria Theatre now, you know, obviously the National Gallery, you know, the Capital Theatre only reopened, I guess, a a few years ago. So I guess I suppose you've, in some ways, that's an opportunity for this kind of cultural hub at the Marina and the Civic District, if you like. But I suppose it also means there's a lot of perhaps fragmentation to avoid you want people to understand what they get in different destinations is, is that a challenge to kind of be known for something
1: yeah I, I think we recognize that in the the arts and civic district uh, of course national gallery was new a lot of attention was focused on uh, national gallery and hence it is very important for venues like ours who's been around for 16 years uh, how do we Refresh ourselves constantly, uh, whether it's campaigns, whether it's programs. Uh, we are doing interesting tours. We've we've never quite marketed our tours and shows overseas. Uh, however, we've we have worked with S- uh, Singapore Tourism Board, and we will we'll be um, embarking on some pilot project uh, to position Esplanade as one of the key places of interest to visit, just like Sydney Opera House, people. You know, if they go to Sydney, they will go for the tours. And, you know, we hope that Esplanade could be such because we have a very interesting structure. We have very interesting stories. Um, I think this is part of the Singapore story and landscape that we should be proud to own.
2: Okay, I guess just building on that then, so how how are you trying to make Esplanade, I guess, famous amongst those that that visit Singapore? You know, it could be for the, the classic kind of the short hop before they then go on to Malaysia or Bali or whatever, or it can be passing through or, can, or it can be, you know, I guess it's becoming more popular as a standalone, you know, could be a week long. How are you trying to tap into that external market? What are some of the things you're trying to do?
1: Okay, because we are a non-profit institution, um, we don't have that financial stamina to independently market and position ourselves regionally or globally. Hence, we, we work with SDB as a vehicle, as a springboard, uh, to put us um, in that arena of um, visibility to overseas tourists. We've started working with some inbound operators uh, for customised tours. Uh, we've done like night tours, sleepovers um, For in rare occasions when, when our venues are available. Um, so, yeah, I mean... That's that's how we do it. And we also work with the National Arts Council uh, where they promote the civic district. Uh, we are trying to create some sort of a seamless... Uh, experience from museums to performing arts um, to food experiences.
2: And I guess sort of take a step back from that and think about, you know, there's often this view of, of Singapore and the kind of arts and culture scene from the outside. There's maybe not a lot happening here. You know, things are quite, you know, the sort of stayed or, you know, certain things to see, but, you know, you come back and maybe not something new to see again. I mean, how, how would you kind of uh, how do you feel the ESPN has a role in countering perceptions like that that there is actually a very dynamic vibrant you know, arts and, and, and cultural scene here and, and actually there's you know, there's a lot more to check out than people maybe imagined what do you, what do you think about that?
1: So we had that conversation um, four or five years ago with National Arts Council and STB um, it's, it's still under wraps but they're going to make some announcements soon um, where we are going to put performing arts in the calendar and as one of the key uh, interest places of interest, not just for tours but some of the shows. And I think what we do, our cultural festivals for Chinese, Malay Indian, um, it's it's significant to showcase what Singapore has got to offer in the performing arts arena. Uh, I, I think the visual arts has done quite a good job. Um, now it's the Singapore art week that's ongoing. Um, so we should, be trying to put together something for the performing arts with the other venues. And, um, you know, you were talking about Funan with um, a theatre. Uh, and, you know, we are very proud that Wild Rise has uh, a theatre and, and their um, fans who support their, their productions
2: fantastic i mean i guess even from a from my point of view you know what i notice about the you touched on the free events and the free experiences i mean you only have to walk around the marina to often encounter a free show at the at the at your you know the concert venue on the water and i think there is that kind of you know magnetism of being in a a great spot and you know that's a great way in um i suppose it's more how you how you then pull people into the sort of deeper offer as well um, but yeah, I think, I think Drago, you were going to touch a bit more on the, the sort of challenges from that point of view in terms of...
0: Well, the... I wanted to um, ask you to explain a little bit more. Um, I find this really fascinating. You mentioned the Sydney Opera House. I, th- I thought that was a very interesting um, uh, parallel you drew there. Um, how do you think they're similar and uh, what do you think um, we could learn from um, uh, from what they're doing in Sydney?
1: Well... Um, they have a lot of uh, support from the tourist office. Sydney Opera House is showcased and um, as one of the key spots that you need to visit when you're in Sydney. And we hope that Esplanade could be. Um, Singapore Tourism Board does a good job in promoting from walking tours to trails to uh, now. Um, we are going to put more emphasis on the arts because we do have international artists coming through uh, Singapore and we have realized that there are people regionally who would come to Singapore to watch these concerts because they are not on tour to other parts of Asia. Um, so, how I like to benchmark, um, as with Sydney Opera House, it's the awareness level. Uh, we they don't if you look at blogs or social media or feedback uh, or Trip Advisor, people don't talk a lot about uh Esplanade and their experiences during the tours. I think we would blow their mind if they had gone on the backstage tour, all right? Because for those who don't know, uh, the the theater, for example, could fit uh, a Concorde. The Concorde, you know, to in our generation, that's a very big plane. Um, and we we have transformed our theaters into product launches. We've done you know dinners on on stage, um, so. There are a lot of amazing stories that have, have not been told, and I think that's part of uh, our job, my team's job, to to resurface these interesting stories and make it part and, and share it with, with people.
0: Yeah, just one last question on this topic. Um, I think we often um, hear about um, the um, immense cultural heritage of established cities in Europe or the U.S., uh, now, what do you think it would take an Asian city um, say Singapore, <laughs> uh, to uh, become a rival to these established cultural destinations the, uh, uh, you know if you can share say some uh, success that you 've experienced or what in your uh, in, in your view are the challenges related to this?
1: I think we are a baby in comparison to the European cities or um, in China or India. Uh, we borrow a lot of these from around the region because of, of the mix, our cultural mix. But I, I think the National Heritage Board is doing um, an amazing job trying to put together stories around our forefathers, and if you know, we just celebrated the bicentennial. Um, to educate people about who we are and how we are different from the neighbouring countries or our European counterparts. I think that sense of pride, and we talk about being local and that local pride that we have, you know, we I am amazingly defensive when, when people talk about Singapore or, or badly about Singapore and think we are China or somewhere else, right? Um, so I think that that that... We, we need to instill that that uh, pride. You know, they talk about National Day, people going away and, you know, they don't want to celebrate um, with the nation. I think that's um, inconsequential. Uh, at the end of the day, how do you talk about Singapore? How do you talk about your home? And how do you defend um, that pride uh, as a citizen of, the, of Singapore?
2: Okay, um, fantastic. I mean, I think we'd want to just touch a bit more on that kind of again connecting with both the local and the external audiences and i think we obviously see this evolving physical and digital kind of in digital transformation obviously is a a much talked about um subject but i think for for someone like you know or a place like esplanade it obviously has a lot of implications for the role of the physical destination but also how you can feel you like share and access content with new audiences so i, I know for example you've been screening stage shows from overseas that you can also broadcast and air and allow people to tap in to your to your shows and you know your platform in various ways so can you tell me a bit more about the the sort of uh what's going on there and does it suggest um perhaps new a new kind of role for the esplanade in terms of how it's actually connecting with people
1: well we are currently building the uh, new waterfront theater Uh, that's mid-sized theater and that will be ready in august uh, 21 that would be the ultimate um, showcase of being um, a digital performing arts center, and what do we mean by that? We use digital uh, to help with accessibility, uh, second screen um, um, for people who are who have hearing impairment. Uh, we we look at uh, physical accessibility, we look at broadcasting, and and you know that digital should help to augment the, the audience that we are reaching out to. And it's fantastic. Uh, we did, we did uh, Baby It's Live uh, that had very good traction. We, SSO, had a performance that was broadcasted uh, live. Uh, we are experimenting um, because in, in this aspect of um, performing arts and digital, we are still in its infancy Uh, We have experimented with digital and arts as part of a a presentation. Uh, But in terms of marketing, we use digital to be more efficient uh, in terms of targeting segments, in terms of reaching out, in terms of... um, I think the most fantastic thing about digital that happened in marketing is the ability to track and, and be answerable to the KPIs and ROIs. We were... Many years ago, we were not able to justify our positions as, as marketing people because we spend money and we said, OK, we don't know whether there are eyeballs to, to what we put out. Uh, but it's great learning experience. We, we, we put in investments on, on digital. We look at the ROI and we just continuously hone that uh, investment in, in advertising. Mm.
2: Are there any particular um, measures that maybe you can or can't reveal this, but you you pay particular attention to, you know, if some brands are fixated by a certain, you know, we want this image to be portrayed, are we, are we landing that? Or it could be more functional, you know, the number of people who are actually eyeballs looking at X, Y, Z, or do you have any things you pay particular kind of credence to in terms of seeing how Esplanade is engaging people and how, you know, how well you're doing as a a marketing kind of function?
1: So it's, all the different touch points from our Facebook to our website, we just look at the, the numbers that we, we have and the traction. Uh, I think currently we are working on an attribution model. Uh, I think some aspects of it is possible, the ad and the click-through to uh, booking. Uh, we work with Systic, who is our ticketing platform, and we are trying to do some data modelling um, to better understand um, the segments.
0: Great. Um, In this context, if we could uh, uh, touch on, um, you know, without revealing too much of your uh, MO, if you're not comfortable with that, but uh, how you as an organization um, uh, act, what you do to learn about your target, to learn about, uh, as we like to call them here around the pot, people, Uh, you know, and what uh, your advice uh, would be to marketers when it comes to understanding them uh, and thinking about uh, how to communicate to them.
1: So a lot of people or a lot of marketers, uh, they jump into the digital bandwagon um, because everyone else is doing it. I think from the past experiences that I've learned is to start small uh, and experiment on certain projects and look at the outcome. At the end of the day, if you do embark on digital, what is it that you are looking for as an outcome? Is it increased audience, uh, better your ticketing revenue? Um, so with, with that, um, the advice to people is um, just, just be very clear. What is it that you want to measure uh, in terms of your segmentation? Um, for us, it's building that new audiences. And, and it's multi prong. It's not about digital alone. Uh, I always believe in coming from hospitality. It's high touch, high tech. And, and um, do we want robots to greet patrons when they come to Esplanade, no, we want smiling faces friendly faces, uh, people who are able to recommend what you can do when you are there um, yeah
0: and how is, uh, how is this informed potentially by research, if we, uh, if we wear our research hats for a, uh, for a moment here uh, what do you do in that um, re- regard? What has um, what has uh, delivered results for you in the past? If you could share a bit.
1: Well, we do a lot of surveys, not research per se. Uh, we we undertake a lot of surveys, uh, post, pre, on site, uh, after tours, and we develop uh, a voice of customer platform, and that's feedback even from um, our patrons, from our hires, from our artists, and we put that together to. Qu- Quite Well, to have an indication of who we are from um, the the various segments and partners that, that we work with. Um, that's just the initial. We've not embarked on full-fledged. Uh, we use that as a tool to improve ourselves if we have feedback on the um, customer service. Uh, or we have feedback on certain venues or even we have feedback on tenants, we take that It's still quite, uh, it's a trigger mechanism uh, for us to continuously uh, improve what we do. Um, we we even take, um, you know, social listening as part of the voice of customer. Um, we are trying to see if it's really necessary for us to do a brand uh, index um, vis-a-vis, you know, who would be our competition? Uh, I don't. I don't put Marina Bay as. Uh, although they they present shows, uh, they wouldn't be our competition because our social mandate is very very different from the commercial players.
2: Yeah, I guess just building on that one thing, we're always curious about are. Are there certain kind of insights, for example, about the audiences you you cater to that you that kind of always live with you or you come back to? I know for I know from my own experience that often working with not for profits and uh, you know companies and or organisations in the cultural space that the the board the senior management can often have quite a set of view on like okay this is the sort of person that we're attracting or this is the kind of person who enjoys the theatre, but actually sometimes the insight. Tells you, you know that the sort of person we're here to attract is not really motivated by X, they're more motivated by Y. I mean, I'm just curious if there's anything which kind of you always come back to as an insight on, on one or more of your audiences that maybe you feel is important.
1: So, we try to build personas around um, the shows that we present. Um, you know, today I could be um, a working woman um, going for one show. Um, or, on another day, I could be a, a mother with two kids, and kids, and I, I come for another show. Um, so what we try to do is um, through membership that helps to distill uh, the the clearer segmentation. So we do very well in the the, the end spectrum, the the young, uh, below twelve years, because you know we have fantastic kids show that parents always bring their kids for. And then we have the seniors. Um, um, They are, you know, ardent supporters of the shows that we present and tickets are sold out before we even put it out for sale sale, uh, publicly. I think it's always the the middle ground, the so-called PMEBs, the youth, uh, which is a big topic about millennials and, and youth. Um, so do we program for the youth? Do we, you know, change the dynamics for the, for the youth? Um, so we, we experiment uh, with, with some of these. And I think the um, mid-sized theatre uh, that we're going to open in next year would be an opportunity for us um, to, to encourage um, more youth participation and also to encourage experimentation. Excellent.
0: Great. Um, okay. Now, um, uh, this next question is about you know um, trying to I think you know something that we probably try a bit too often in uh, in marketing you know trying to imagine the future. So uh, we were for a second we were tempted, Scott and I, to call the show um, not potluck but uh, crystal ball. Um, so if we can try and imagine you know people in Singapore and the region, um, so. In five years' time, what will uh, leisure look like for them? What will um, the performing arts um, be in their lives? And um, what will be the role of the physical destinations? There are probably too many questions in there, but... um, um, Yeah, pick at least one. (laughs) Um, where where do you stand on that, or are you uh, ideologically opposed to um, uh, trying to um, um, you know make predictions?
1: I won't predict for the next five years in terms of marketing because it's it's our marketing plan is an annual marketing plan and it changes because of the martech that's available and, and what you can exploit. Uh, however, I feel that the 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 digital will help. Us to reach out to new audiences with with the broadcasting, with the e-learning, with the podcast. We are starting a podcast. Uh, Hopefully, we can be the leader uh, regionally where we not only showcase what we do in Singapore, but also help uh, the regional uh, players. In terms of... um, where we stand as the beloved Durian in Singapore, I think it it's constantly refreshing the experience on site. Uh, you know, people talk about uh, going mobile first and, you know, that venues will not be uh, relevant. Uh, but I remember reading this book from The Empty Raincoat and that's by Charles Handy. It's about going back to basics. Um, you know, now with PDPA, um, you... you can do as much predictive modeling as, as you want to. But at some point, like for me, I don't want to be um, bombarded with personalized uh, EDM to say, because you bought this, I know you will like this, right? So I think at some point there will be that tension um, and that fine balance of um, trying to do predictive modeling for our customer segments and patrons. It's terrible if people can predict what you do as a marketer and as a person, right? Um, I'm guilty of that. We, we'll still, we still do a lot of uh, cross-selling uh, and stuff, um, but at some point it cannot be invasive. Um, and uh, the, the key thing that I always share about marketing is, is ethical marketing. Oh, you, you, I'm not going to try to sell a comb to someone who doesn't need it, um, but I think we can tell them about performing arts, and that's where the off stage is. We we encourage open learning. You can can do research, you can check out, you know, what we have about music, about dance, and see whether that interests you. And we do have uh, workshops and all that to encourage that uh, deeper learning. Okay.
2: Yeah, so I think, um, Eunice, thanks so much for, for being our guest today. Uh, the show was as good as, as we hoped it would be. I hope you had a good time uh, discussing it as well. So yeah, I think, uh, thanks, thanks from me and thanks from Drago.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks so much for making the time.
1: Thank you.
2: You've been listening to Potluck, bringing to the table unique insight into Asian brands and consumers. Presented by me, Scott Percival.
0: And me, Drago Juro. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Potluck. See you for the next edition of Potluck. And in the meantime,
1: keep keep it brewing. brewing.